in five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Me- Maximize Your Medicare podcast. While the information on this podcast is believed to be correct, you should verify all facts. Nothing in this podcast is to be construed as financial advice. It is not the offer for you to purchase any instrument or any interest in any financial contract, including but not limited to insurance. The opinions expressed in this podcast are mine and mine alone. They are not affiliated with the Department of Health and Human Services or financial institution. Opening on right now up until December 7th. And that open enrollment is for any part of Medicare or just for Part D? It's a good question. Both current enrollees as well as those who turned 65 in January can select a part standalone prescription plan as well as a Medicare Advantage plan without restriction. They can change it during this period through the end of December 7th. I think a lot of people think that Medicare is free once you turn 65, and there are, of course, deductibles and premiums to pay. But is it true that the premiums you pay for Medicare will be higher if your income level is higher? That is true. The Affordable Care Act has introduced a concept of higher premiums for both Part B as well as Part D, which is the standalone prescription plan. So that it is the case that if your income, as you file them for income taxes, is higher, you can be charged a higher monthly rate. That is true. What if somebody forgets or fails to enroll or enrolls late? What happens then? There are late enrollment penalties. Uh, for Part B, for example, for every 12-month period that you do not enroll beyond an enrollment window, you are penalized 10% for every 12-month period. And the punchline here is that that penalty never ends. It never ends? Your lifetime. It- it's not a one-time penalty, no. The same can be said about Part D, which is the standalone prescription plans. For that, the late enrollment penalty is 1% per month that you did not enroll in a prescript standalone prescription plan. And again, that penalty also is a lifetime penalty. It never expires. Medicare will not cover every health care cost. What are the typical coverage gaps, some of the, the most obvious ones? When you go to the hospital, for example, in addition to the deductible, for example, Medicare under Part A pays for the first 20 days of skilled nursing home care, but it is not considered really as long-term care meaning that days 21 through 100 in 2015 will be accompanied with a $157.50 copay, meaning that you have to pay the first $157.50. Medicare covers the rest. Beyond the 100th day, however, Medicare doesn't cover any of the cost, leaving a person to be responsible for all the balance. We hear a lot about the donut hole. And uh, <laughs> most people are going, what? What is, it? what is that exactly? How does it work? The donut hole has what I would describe as tiers of coverage. So there's a lower tier, which is three, up to $320 in 2015. That's the deductible. Sometimes the Part B or the 
independence plan, a standalone prescription plan will pay part or all of it or not. Beyond that, you get up to the next threshold, and it's going to be 2550 for 2015. Then you get the copay that many people know, for example, in certain plans, you, the generics are zero or a handful of dollars. But once your totals go up to that number, then you enter into what Medicare calls the coverage gap. Many people know it as the, as the donor hole, that's true. In which case, Medicare or the plan pays for 55%, leaving the person or the patient or beneficiary to pay for 45%. So you can see during this period, the plan weakens substantially. You can just take a quick example of the medications, $100 a month, for example, and before it was $20 copay, once you enter into this gap, it becomes $45 because Medicare pays for 55 leaving you with 45 times 100 otherwise $45. That's the gap. That's kind of what what people who have longstanding illness or have you know expensive medications often encounter at some point during the year. Original Medicare Part A and B won't cover everything, we know. And that's where Medicare Advantage comes into play. There are two large groups of coverage that individuals can select. First is Medicare Advantage, as you rightly point out. It's also known as Part C. It's where individual carriers take care of everything. Um, in Georgia, for example, the plans are all include prescription plans plus coverage under A and B. It basically replaces your red, white, and blue card. Not that you should discard the card, but certainly uh, it replaces it. Then what happens under that, they have their own set of co-pays, deductibles, other, what I call a cost-sharing details, which will differ than Medicare. On average, each of those plans is approved by the government and must be, on average, at least as good as original Medicare. And what about Medigap? How does that differ from Medicare Advantage? It differs from Medicare Advantage in very important and fundamental ways. First of all, this is the grid that you will see. The letters are A through N. In most cases, it changes with age, the price, in other words, the premium. The two outstanding things are, number one, it is standardized, meaning that plan N from carrier number one is identical to plan N from carrier number two. It's completely interchangeable in that sense. The second part is that the terms and conditions do not change over time. So as opposed to Medicare Advantage, where you receive an annual notice of change, which tells you, okay, here's what happened in 2014, Here's what will happen in 2015. For Medigap beneficiaries, those persons don't have that because the terms and conditions don't change of your coverage, just the premium. So that is the source of comfort. It is generally accompanied by a higher premium from inception. You've described in your book, Maximize Your Medicare, that dealing with Medicare is akin to standing on shifting tectonic plates. The parts are always moving. Plans change, premiums change, the law changes. It really is like a complicated shell game, isn't it? Yes, I I think that you have some very fundamental facts, which is you can't get away from 53 million Americans on owning that red, white, and blue card. And 10,000 people a day turn 65 every day. 
in a nation as large as ours with the number of different interests and backgrounds. We have to grapple with that ongoing. And I don't think that, I don't mean to say that all the news is bad in the sense that the carriers, the sellers are also adjusting, and that can mean additional benefits or strengthened benefits in certain cases through time just by pure competition. So we can go back and forth, and that's you know, the topic of a marathon of, of talk shows with you, for example, on the number of issues involved. But I don't think that this is going away just by the virtue of the fact of 53 million Americans, 10,000 people a day. That alone, you know, will dominate everything. What is the most common mistake, in your opinion, that Medicare enrollees make? I think two, Steve. Uh, It's an excellent question. The first one is, as we talked about, or that enrolling late when you're trying to be cute with the rules or trying to delay because you don't want to enroll or pay the 104.90 for the Part B premium. The penalties on there, many people don't understand, never expire. So if you have perfect health, people may think that I don't need this, I don't need Medicare Part B, I'll just enroll sometime in the future. Well, the problem is with that is that the late enrollment penalties are big and they never expire. The second one is just like had been mentioned, which is since the rules are always going to change. And more than the rules, it is more that the government has to play a balancing act and the sellers are adjusting to that balancing act due to 53 million Americans. That alone means that the optimal price combination, price and coverage combination is very likely to change, particularly under prescription plans. And irrespective of someone's financial or health background, it is very important to review that on an annual basis. If you had to make one essential point from dealing with enrolling in Medicare, is it that you make sure you get enough coverage? Since Medicare doesn't cover everything, you're looking at... um, co-insurance and co-pays and the difference between what Medicare will approve and what a physician or a hospital might charge, isn't there a tremendous risk there of (laughs) filling in that gap? I think it's an excellent point, and it really leads to the bigger question. I meet lots of persons from different financial backgrounds. It's not a matter of somebody can afford this or afford that. What it really is is you need to my number one piece of advice to people, to your listeners, would be to just be aware of these gaps and where the risks are. If you do know them, then that leaves it to the person to choose. And there are lots of choices. And those choices can help persons who the extra dollar is groceries and to a person who is very, very well off. There are plans out there and the rules Governing the carriers is, in my view, highly in favor of the consumer. Very, very much so. And during this period, especially during the annual election period, people can take advantage of that, play within the rules, and still get the best benefit given whatever financial or health circumstances they face. And just to clarify, there are a lot of plans available, but they vary from region to region or state to state, don't they? Absolutely right. In Medicare Advantage, what happens is those can be 
limited in the sense that the network you have to be comfortable with the concept of network and network means that the provider the carrier has agreed on terms with the doctor or hospital system for example some of the these plans restrict you that you need to have a primary care physician first a point guard or a quarterback if you will to direct traffic to be able to go and see a specialist. Other of these Medicare Advantage plans do not require that. And that whole set will change based on your residence. So what plans are available in Atlanta are very, very different than the ones that would be available in Ann Arbor. So that you would have to know based on where you live. And that is somewhat complicated, but reality is is that the number of selections are, again, highly in favor of the consumer, and they have the right to change on an annual basis. J.O. is the author of Maximize Your Medicare, Understanding Medicare, Protecting Your Health, and Minimizing Your Costs. Mr. O., thank you for taking the time. It's been my privilege, Steve. Thank you very much for having me this morning.